This is The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. I'm Jerry Egar in for John Moore, The Breakfast Wrap for February the 10th. A wind warning still in effect for the Niagara Falls well and southern Niagara region. In fact, winds could potentially get up to 100 kilometers per hour near Lake Erie should end sometime this morning. We're expecting a high of plus four today. Tomorrow, mainly cloudy, but clearing in the afternoon with a high of plus two and then sunny on Sunday with a high of plus four. Here are the five things you need to know. Toronto's Auditor General says city workers wasted a lot of taxpayer money. CRA warns scammers have gotten sophisticated ahead of tax season. Judge decides today whether Metrolinx can take chainsaws to the Osgood Hall trees. U.S. intelligence says the Chinese balloon was definitely spying on the world. And gather up the snacks. Super Bowl this Sunday. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. This is More in the Morning on News Talk 1010 Toronto. Raindrops are falling on my head And just like the guy whose feet are too big for his bed Nothing seems to fit Those raindrops are falling on my head They keep falling So I just did that's B.J. Thomas, isn't it? Um, raindrops keep falling on my head, uh, but it's definitely a Burt Bacharach song, and Burt Bacharach passed away yesterday, an incredible composer, a um, lot of hits with Dionne Warwick. He liked Dionne Warwick a lot, and I was doing some reading this morning. Jerry Agar in for John Moore one more day. He'll be back Monday. I was doing some reading this morning, and there were musicians, big-time musicians, talking about Burt Bacharach, and they said the cool thing about him, and people have said this about Brian Wilson as well. You know, it sounds just simple and humble, but it's not that easy to play, is what a number of musicians have said. Um, it's, a real, it's a real skill to make a piece of real music and then have it something that the rest of us can just kind of you know, snap her fingers, tap her toes, and hum along, that kind of thing. So the passing of Burt Bacharach being noted. I get a lot of stuff in the mail. Don't always want all of it. <laughs> but, uh, hey, your mail isn't any different. Nick, your mail at home, you want all that stuff that shows up? You know, uh, I go to the mailbox, and when it's empty, I go, ah, no bills and flyers today? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I was hoping to hear from some people I didn't even know existed. All right, but in this case, I opened up a package this morning, and it's from Crime Stoppers, and they heard us talking, Nick, about uh, the Faraday bags that people are getting. You know, put your key fob in the Faraday bag, um, and then the, the people who want to steal your car can't come up next to your house and call copy it. And I had talked about how I got a Faraday bag off of Amazon and I put my key fob in it and I could operate the car same way as normal. So that thing was useless. And a very similar bag was here in the station the other day. Joe Cristiano, producer of the show, had uh, he put his card key that we used to open the doors around here inside that bag. And, and it was the same as putting it in his pocket or his wallet or something. It just... But... Crime Stoppers sent me a much more substantial looking unit. This is much more, it's got more heft, doesn't it, than the one that Joe was using the other day, the one I had at home. It is. And uh, so when I walked into the building, you said, good morning. And then you said, here, Nick, and, and there's this plastic 
envelope, and I'm thinking, oh, you're giving me the DVDs that you got yesterday from a listener. <laughs> I didn't look, watch the whole thing yet. And uh, I was uh, disappointed, I have to admit. But then I saw, oh, wait a minute, it's, it's one of those bags, so thank you. I'm going to use it and, and uh, find out if it really works. Well, it does. I tested it out. I put my card key in, and I walked out, and I thought for a minute now, Yes, I have the card key with me. <laughs> so right. I walked out. There was some banging on the door. I'm like, who is that person trying to get into the building? And I put the key in this thing, and there was no way I could open the doors. All right? And uh, Crime Stopper sent this to me. They have hooked up with uh, with uh, in insurance brokers of Toronto region, I guess, IBPR, and put these things together. And uh, uh, if you go to Crime Stoppers, if you just Google Crime Stoppers Faraday bag, because on their regular page, I couldn't find it. But when I Googled Crime Stoppers Toronto Faraday bag, uh, this thing came up and they sell it for 20 bucks. I'm not, I'm not trying to bite or don't. Uh, you know, I'm not, this is not a paid announcement or anything like that. Uh, it's just that it works. That's all I'm telling you. Can you spell Faraday? That's the other challenge. Isn't it F-A-R-A-D-Y? D-A-Y? Okay, and I'll cover your right eye. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, uh, it, it, but it's just nice to have one of these things and see that it uh, seems to work. And that's, that's all I can tell you. I'm not a tech expert. I'm just telling you what I did with it and how it worked. Um, so the Super Bowl is this Sunday and it may, um, talking football, it may alarm people who are huge fans of or involved in the CFL, that some recent research, and this is done by uh, Angus Reid Institute, demonstrates that Canadians are much more interested in the Super Bowl than in the Grey Cup. How would you vote on that, Nick? I would say the Super Bowl over the Grey Cup. So would I. And I feel bad doing it, sitting here in Canada, on a major Canadian radio station saying that I prefer the Super Bowl, but I'm sorry, I just do. But and, but in some aspects, it's apples and oranges, right? I mean, the, the CFL has its own merits. It's been around a long time, and, it, and it's a very Canadian game, and, and you'd be proud of it. Well, it doesn't have to be an either-or because, they, they, you know, they don't play the two games at the same time. Well, <laughs> so, no, but, but then but, again, be, what, what about the World Series, right? I mean, there's, there's baseball, right? Like, yes. But we have a team in the World Series. Well, not well, the World Series, but I mean, recently, in but vying yeah. <laughs> for the World Series. They've won the World Series. Uh, so that's a different thing. A basketball team has won the championship. And in 1967, <laughs> the hockey team won the, the, the championship. Yeah, we are champions. Okay, see? Uh, but this is a different thing, and it's uh, it, it's driven by all demographics, but primarily by young people. Young people, and this doesn't pretend well for the future of the CFL. Young people particularly voted that they would prefer the C if they could only watch one. They would take the Super Bowl over the Grey Cup. That doesn't mean, of course, that people won't watch the Grey Cup, won't watch CFL games. There are a lot of people who watch uh, both. As a matter of fact. Um, Somebody writes in, your bag is useless. They want your car. They'll follow you and clone the FOB while sitting beside you at a stoplight. You know, you're right. Let's give up. Let's not do anything. Let's just leave the keys in the car and, and let the thieves have them. I, I was, you know what? I don't appreciate texts like that. Like, if, if there is really literally nothing you can do, don't buy a car. There's the smart thing to do. Uh, send us your address, person who texted. Yeah, and what we'll kind of car do you have? <laughs> well, this person says my customer had two Range Rovers taken from their parking lot. Sure. Uh, Deb Hutton and Tim Hudak 
who, in case you don't know it, are a married couple. You hear them separately here on this, occasionally together, but usually separately. They had uh, a really nice vehicle stolen from their driveway. Insurance got them another one. That one got stolen, too. So, sure, the thieves are clever. But um, you have a choice. You can continue to try and make it more difficult for the thieves if you can, or you can give up. Which one do you want to do? You're listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. <coughs> Excuse me. Forgot I'd turned my mic on. <laughs> That's why they call it a cough button. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so there's this thing. Uh, turn it on and off. So, uh, yeah, I got it now. Uh, After how many years in radio? (laughs) I don't even want to say. John Moore will be back on Monday, okay? And I can make these mistakes from 9 to noon. Uh, Mark Tui will be in for me. All right, so just to try to put some levity into the morning, I was just throwing in a joke every morning at the start of the show, and I got all excited about the key fob thing and uh, forgot to do the joke. So a man walks into a bar. He's drunk. He's really actually already quite drunk. And he goes up to the bar. And he orders a drink, and the bartender says, "Sir, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I think you've, you were overserved uh, already, so you're going to have to leave." So the guy leaves, and that's about ten minutes later. He walks back in, same guy, comes up to the bar, gets on the, manages to get himself on the bar stool. He's so drunk, and he says, uh, "I need a drink." No, I'm sorry. You cannot have a drink. You are too drunk already. You must leave. He leaves. Um, a few minutes later, he comes back. And he comes up, again he orders a drink, and the bartender says, I have told you twice before, and I'm telling you now, you are too drunk to be served. And the the drunk looks very confused for a moment, and then says, how many bars do you work at? It's a sweet, sweet Friday! Yesterday, during the course of the show, I was talking to Paul Calandra, among other things. He is the Minister of Long-Term Care, and we had a really good conversation about long-term care. I enjoyed the conversation. And then I hit him with something else at the end, and I I wanted you to, to listen to a little bit of this and see if you agree with me or not. And he had agreed ahead of time to talk about this. We just learned yesterday that apparently they need to rehab and spiffy up Queens Park. And it's the initial estimate is over a billion dollars. That's a lot of money, even in today's economy. You know, even to Galen Weston, that's a lot of money. Okay. And I just wonder if that should be the priority. So I want you to hear a little bit of what I said and his response and uh, take it from there. Let's not fall in love with old buildings, okay? Let's let's prioritize money. We were just talking health care. You're the minister of long-term care. We desperately need money in all areas of health care, yeah. and you want to spend a billion dollars fixing up an old building. I mean, it's, I can get over an old building being knocked down in 15 minutes. How about in a half an hour you get over it and we move on? Look, Jerry, I think this. I think the the the, the, the legislature itself and some of these properties that we uh, that we do have, whether it's the the House of Commons East Block or West Block in Ottawa. These are part of our heritage uh, and our history. They're worth uh, maintaining. They're worth protecting and preserving. And uh, I'm not saying that every old building in the city of Toronto or across the province of Ontario has to be maintained, but there is something very, very important about the Legislative Assembly of the province of Ontario. It's 130 years old. Not a lot of money has been poured into this place over 130 years. And the time has come to, to... to uh, fix it, to allow it to operate for the next hundred years uh, uh, in the in the in the province of Ontario. It's going to take us some time to do it. Absolutely, 
uh, and we'll, we'll do it in the most cost-effective uh, way uh, for the taxpayers of the province of Ontario. Well, no, they won't. <laughs> no, they won't. Uh, the most cost-effective way would be to build a new building. Now, I understand that uh, a lot of people will disagree with me, and they, they may love the building, and it's part of the heritage of Toronto and how Toronto looks, etc. But this is the constant thing that I talk about with government expenditure. What are the priorities? And if all levels of government are bleeding money, then here's how I wish everybody approached government expenditures. Well, we need to fix up Queen's Park for a billion dollars. Is that more important than health care and education? Well, we need to fix it. No, I asked you, this is how these conversations go, whether or not that's more important than health care and education. Is it more important than helping the down and out on the streets? Um, and any expenditure that we're going to experience paid for by the taxpayers, that I think those questions should be asked all the time. Do we have all the money we need in health care, in education, and public safety? That would be the police. Until we say yes to all of that, I, I'm really not saying I wouldn't say yes to anything else. Okay, we've, we've done that now. We have funded that now. Now let's talk about other stuff that we might need to have or that is just a want to have. I'm not saying that Queen's Park doesn't need to be repaired after 137 years. I'm just saying maybe the smart thing to do is to knock it down and build a new one. That happens on every street around Toronto where old houses are purchased and knocked down. Invariably, a bigger house is put up. Uh, but regardless, a new house is put up. Uh, somebody writes, how do you know it would be cheaper to knock it down? Well, when I mentioned it to the minister, he didn't argue with me on that. He did not say it would cost a billion dollars to build a new building that uh, our politicians could do provincial business in. He didn't argue that point. This was the same thing I was saying the other day about the CBC. People thought I was going after the CBC programming for some reason. And that, that's not what I was doing because I don't care about the programming of other outlets uh, against which I compete, except that they're using the CBC's using my money and your money. And I, uh, do we have problems in healthcare, education, and policing that we need to solve? Or do we need the CBC getting 1.2 or 1.3, whatever it is, billion dollars a year. You can build hospitals for that kind of money. I mean, that's a lot of money. Um, somebody writes, all I can say is, where did they get that quote? A billion dollars is just insane. Okay, you know what? Thank you for that text at 71010, because that is a good question. Uh, it's government contracting. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the other thing. You know, they, they, they seem to contract stuff out at uh, incredible prices instead of actually finding the person who could, uh, maybe there's somebody who says, you know, I could, I could do that for considerably less. Con um, put it out for bid and, and actually put it out for bid honestly. Not that thing where, well, it has to meet this union contract and that union contract. No, it has to meet what's best for the taxpayer. That's the only thing it should have to do, I think. I'm Jerry Agar in for John Moore today. He will be back um, on Monday. By the way, speaking of city workers, 
bunch of them ripping us off. Although a few did get fired. We'll talk about that coming up. Thanks for being along. Jerry Agar here in for John Moore today. He'll be back on Monday from his vacation. I was talking about this story that it would cost at least a billion dollars to do a rehab of Queen's Park, and they're looking at doing that. I had said, you know, knock it down and just build a new building. It would cost less. And somebody said, well, then you'd have to do temporary. I think they need to do temporary housing while they rehab it anyway. So that's something they would be doing. People are writing in here. Call 310 Reno. Well, check the Jiffy app. Hey, call Mike Holmes. Make a TV project out of it. Mike Holmes, the Queen's Park Project. Subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. This is More in the Morning on News Talk 1010 Toronto. Why do birds suddenly appear? Every time you are near Just like me They long to be close to you Karen Carpenter doing the singing, music written by Burt Bacharach, who passed away yesterday. He had major hits he couldn't help but sing along with during the course of his career. But he passed away yesterday. A real uh, giant in the music composition business, no doubt. So um, a solution, a partial solution, has presented itself to people being shipped out of New York City to Canada to cross at Roxham Road and come into Canada as refugees. And it's a pretty interesting thing that happened. These are people from Latin America who came to New York. And I guess when they first got to New York City, they were given some pretty spiffy accommodations. And then their accommodations were downgraded and they didn't like it. And they started complaining. And, you know, they looked the gift horse in the mouth. And so New York City said, well, how about we just get rid of you? We'll buy you a bus ticket up to the Canadian border border, very close to the Canadian border, and you can go to Canada and then you won't be our problem. And Nick, what do you think is the thing that presented itself as a bit of a solution here to this, I think, problem for Canada? Uber? Nope. I Uh, don't know. Okay, there's two things. There's two things, two clues. They're from Latin America and they're complainy. I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank this morning. Okay, they're from Latin America. They're used to warm weather. They got up here and they said, are you kidding? There's too much snow. It's too cold. We're not going to. They're, they're, they're like the bears. It's too hot, too cold. Too. So the solution was the weather forecast for Canada. Yes. Once they found out what the weather is like in Canada, they said, we're not coming. We should have tried to send them to Winnipeg. <laughs> if, they don't, if they don't like it around here, <laughs> they should have tried that. But um, that's it, it, not everybody, uh, I guess, who was being sent here said that. But a number of them just said, they turn around and go the other direction. We're not going to Canada. Meanwhile, I had said a few minutes ago that uh, China is apparently getting ahead of us in an important crime-fighting front, and Vinay Menon... I like his columns in the Toronto Star. He reports on this. China has used, as probably all countries have, police dogs. Dogs are very useful to police. They can smell out all kinds of things. Cadaver dogs, drug dogs, dogs that are looking for missing people, all kinds of stuff that dogs can do. They're amazing creatures and, uh, and obviously quite useful in crime fighting. 
Now China has figured out, you know, there's little nooks and crannies and places that drug people try to hide the drugs. Even a chihuahua can't get in there. So what do we do? China is training squirrels to look for drugs. They got a drug squirrel. And what? Well, this is a story that I came across this morning, and part of our staff at Total Uses Information, okay, it's my wife. Yeah. She came up with the story, and I'm going to use it as one of the news from around the world, because, uh, you know, you do need more squirrel cops. Yeah, we do. We need more squirrel cops. This is not nuts. We, it's not the fuzz. It's, <laughs> the, it's, it's the furry. It, it's the bushy, bushy-tailed cops. But, you know, apparently you can train squirrels to find drugs or things like that. You put a little vest and a little hat on them, and uh, they crawl around the building where you suspect maybe something is happening, and they'll find stuff. So... This is just an innovation in China that, who knows, may be coming here. I was also interested in a story this morning um, because it's the first story I've seen where a reporter actually took the time to talk to people in the affected industries after Joe Biden pushed at the State of the Union address in the United States by American. And my initial reaction was, that's got to sound bad to people in the lumber industry and the metals industry, et cetera. And so, but that was just my, and I'm not in those businesses. That was just me off the top of my head doing some surmising. And fortunately, somebody actually looked into this, uh, somebody being reporters for the Toronto Star. And uh, the BC lumber industry, the headline says, on edge, after President Joe Biden ups the ante on buy American policies. But as you dig into the article, this is the part that I found fascinating about it, the, the metals industry particularly, but the lumber industry to a degree as well, are not completely panicked about this because there are a couple of factors. The rules allow for exemptions in cases where domestic sources can't fill the demand alone or would be too costly, which means that in practical terms, the math is on Canada's side. According to Jean Chamard, the president and CEO of the Aluminum Association of Canada, and here's what Chamard said. Facts are facts, data is data. The U.S. produces about one-third of what it requires in terms of primary metal. They have to import. And Canada represents about 70% of total U.S. imports, and that's not going to change. As far as the lumber people are concerned, the numbers aren't as big, um, but... Uh, well, here's the deal. The simple truth is supply and demand persist. According to Lumber Council President Linda Cody in 2021, the U.S. was able to produce about 70 percent of the lumber it needed, and Canada was there to fill the gap. Linda Cody said, we're seeking to better understand what this means for Canadian producers. Our focus remains on working on both sides of the border to maximize the opportunity Canada has in providing the sustainably produced low-carbon lumber products we know American home builders, consumers, and construction workers want and need. So maybe this is just populist politics. On Joe Biden's part, that's what politicians do, doesn't matter what party they're from. Um, and by populist, I mean, it sounds great at a campaign speech to say, and we're going to buy American. I mean, Joe Biden likes to sound as tough as he possibly can. 
Governments in the past, Republican and Democrat, have worked around this by American, but no more is basically what he said. Um, and that sounds good, gets a cheer from American workers, but it's, it's not the big threat to Canada that it might have possibly appeared to be. You know, the people like me who don't know very much about the lumber industry or the metals industry. So I'm happy that that report took place and, uh, and that those industries are not panicked. Somebody just wrote in, squirrel cops? Why not rats? We've got a lot of them. We've got a lot of squirrels, too. So some of them could be put to work instead of just mooching around the city the way they do. That's what I think. We'll take a look at the five things you need to know, the weather forecast and the traffic, all of that. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. You win a free bag of chips from somebody. Somebody owes you a free bag of chips if you knew what that piece of music was. Because <laughs> that's the theme to chips. I don't owe you a free bag of chips. Just saying. No, because I played the music and I, I figured, well, what song goes well with the chip challenge? I figured, well, the theme from the TV show from the 70s, chips. Yeah, chips. Um, so it, we did this little thing, this uh, chip challenge, and we should have a video up shortly on Newstalk1010.com. And it was me and uh, Lisa Morales and uh, Canada's beloved movie guy. Uh, and the three of us got together. And um, I thought of this when I was in a chip aisle because I saw these are two for four dollars. These are two for six dollars, and these ones are two for nine dollars. Quite a price range. Would there actually be that significant a difference in your chip satisfaction between the yellow bag and the most expensive stuff? Yellow bag, then a few more bucks for Lay's, or several more dollars for ruffles. Would there be that much of a difference? So we sat down and did a little chip challenge with uh, Lisa and Richard Krause and myself. Okay, this is Jerry Agar with the Great Chip Challenge. Here's what happened. I was at the grocery store and I saw these are two for four dollars. These are two for six dollars. These are two for nine dollars. I thought, is there really that much difference? If you're putting together a Super Bowl party, you want to spend what you need to spend to get good chips if that's on the menu, but don't spend more than you need. So joining me to figure this out, traffic specialist Lisa Morales, who will be taste testing along with me, and Richard Krause, Canada's beloved movie guy. He judges the movies. He can certainly judge chips. All right, so here's how it's going to work. We have the three different uh, price level chips and in the three bowls, A, B, and C. So what we're going to do now is let's take a chip from A, and uh, we'll taste it. We'll talk about it a bit. We'll each score cheers, it. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. 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 Chip, cheers. Twist my chip, arm. cheers. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I mean, is there a bad chip really, though? Yeah, well, there, there are, are no bad chips. Right. There are okay. no bad chips. But that, I think, is a particularly good chip. It's a safe chip. Mm-hmm. Super yep. safe with a dip. You know, you want to yep. just have it as is. It's good. It's a good choice. Yeah, it's pretty good. Good, good yeah. crunch yep. on it. All right. On it. All right. Okay. Mm. Give it a score uh, as to how you feel about it. And uh, we'll move on now to um, Bowl B in the Great Chip Challenge. Ooh. 
Mm. Okay. It's a good crunch. It's got good crunch. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. This one is better than the first one, I think. Oh, good. I may, have over, I may have given it up too early for the, for the <laughs> You started off hot. Ship. Well, you always enjoy your first. <laughs> Memorable, <laughs> certainly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I can appreciate the ridges, though, because I feel like if you are dipping, because I feel like chips and dip, it's a thing, right? Yeah. Um, you definitely get uh, a little bit less product on this chip. The you first think, one, the ridges think, were a bit wider, so it would up more, stop up a little bit more. Yeah. You'd have a bit more quantity, you know? Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I, I good, actually, though. to be honest with you, like the flavor a little better on A, but that's me. I mm-hmm. think um, these are saltier, though. I oh, think, you see, I find them less yeah. salty. See? Interesting. Interesting. Wow. Okay. There's controversy amongst the chip mates. As I'm long as it doesn't break into fighting, I think we're okay. <laughs> All, right. All right. So let's go to C. Um, this one has a more cardboardy kind of yeah. vibe to it than the it other does. two. This is my least favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree. And flavor wise, uh-huh. this is just sort of there. Yeah. <laughs> it just kind of is. It's this being, one needs more dip. Yeah. It needs more dip. Yeah. So I feel like we're, we're kind of dealing with the same flavor here, yeah. but definitely yeah. less intensity on this one. Yeah. 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 I'm going to yeah. have to say this is kind of my least favorite. Yeah. yeah. So what we're going to do now is total up our scores and be back in a moment. So, time for the big reveal. We tested, we tasted, we scored, (laughs) and here's how it came out. Coming up in last place, as you might expect, because that's how it's priced, is the generic yellow bag came last. We thought it was kind of cardboardy. And then in second place was actually... The Lay's. The the Lay's came second. And by the way, also according to price, and Ruffles came in first. So, wow, Richard, you get what you pay for. Yeah, see, I would call the ones in the yellow bag, I would call those the downstairs chips. Right. You put those downstairs, and then where all the adults are, upstairs, you use the Ruffles. I like the way you think. Yeah. Hey, son, have yeah. those ones. Yeah, yeah. Okay. hey, kids, have all you want. Yeah, go nuts. <laughs> have them all. We have two yeah. bags of those. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Well, you know, it is not always going to be the case when you test out products like this that the one that costs the most is actually the best. This is true. But in this case, that's how it worked out. When it comes to chips, I'm telling you, and I'm a chip connoisseur Mm -hmm. next to being a traffic specialist, (laughs) I know my chips. And unfortunately, you get what you pay for. Okay. So take that into consideration for your Super Bowl party and go Chiefs. All right, so, um, well, Nick just observed a moment ago that if the chip tastes like the packaging, then, you know, according according to Richard's analysis, that goes downstairs with the foldy table where the kids are having their party, and uh, and you got the ruffles upstairs. So that's what we figured out. Um, not the most important thing in the world, but uh, it was fun to do. Meanwhile, and this is important, Toronto's Auditor General received more complaints of wrongdoing through its waste hotline last year than ever before. And in some cases, city workers were actually fired for fraud. Here's an example given from the CTV News report in this. In one case, an employee lied about the job, the earnings, the household status, to fraudulently collect $86,000 in municipal subsidies while working full-time for the city. Fired. And the city is pursuing criminal charges. Another city employee was found to have used their position to unlawfully approve a project that was beyond the job jurisdiction and connected to their personal business. The employee didn't declare a conflict of interest, altered city records, and then resigned before they could be disciplined for breach of trust. You'd think that there could still be a legal follow-up on that. The auditor also investigated reports of time theft among city staff in one instance. 
determined that an employee was working a second job at a landscaping company during work hours and had submitted incorrect timesheets, was caught through... (laughs) You'd think the employee would be smart enough to know this was happening. How, How did this employee get caught? City vehicle GPS data. This person was only suspended. Well, it's good to know they do fire some people. They should name them as well, shouldn't they? Name and shame. Kicking butts and taking names and announcing names. I think that should happen. I'm Jerry Agar in for John Moore. That's The Breakfast Wrap. You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.